I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Well, you know, I, I, I tried to make this podcast as often and as frequent as I can, but sometimes, you know, working the hours I do, it just leaves you so bushwhacked that there's not enough energy in the body, okay? There, there, there's just not, but this is fight week. There's a lot to talk about, but, you know, we're not even going to talk about the big fights right now. Let's talk about a big fight that's happening in november that is canelo versus kovalev oh wow you know what i've been pretty critical of canelo alvarez in the past and i'm pretty sure i will be uh critical of canelo in the present as well as the future because i can see myself talking about him a few minutes from now but i'll save this for him the guy's got some balls okay um you know Moving up to uh, the light heavyweight division and taking on uh, a very dangerous puncher like Kovalev, I mean, I can't think of a lot of people, a lot of people who are not light heavyweights who want to say, oh yeah, I'll do that, I I could kick Kovalev's ass. Um, Now, I just said that I was going to be kind of critical of Canelo, and well, I'm about to be. Now... I'll admit, I, I've not been the biggest fan of this guy. I, th- I thought he uh, had potential to be something really special, but I, I felt that they were uh, building him up to a fight with Floyd Mayweather too quickly. And I wasn't that impressed with his uh, stint at 154 pounds, okay? W- wins, the fu- or wins the title, a vacant title, against uh, Matthew Hatton, Ricky Hatton's uh, less talented and less popular brother. Um... The funny thing was, is like these guys were barely light, or uh, sorry, uh, junior middleweights when they uh, fought. I believe Canelo was 151 pounds, and Matthew Hatton was just 149 pounds. It's like, what are these guys doing fighting for a title? They they can barely make weight. They are underweight. They are anorexic junior middleweights. And then. There, there's everybody else that he fought. Matthew Hat, or, sorry, I already mentioned that he beat Matthew Hatton, but Alfonso Gomez, Kermit Cintron, Shane Mosley. You, you really expect me to give you credit for beating up an, a forty-year-old, forty-year-old, you know, out of his league, Shane Mosley. I mean, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, Shane might have given you problems at welterweight, but Shane never had any business as a junior middleweight. Go back, look at Shane's uh, history. At junior middleweight, he has never really had true success. And you can make the argument that, oh yeah, you know, he did win those unified titles in the fight against Oscar De La Hoya. Oh wait, that's a fight that everybody says De La Hoya should have won. Okay? Sorry, but like Shane, Shane's never been any good at at uh, junior middleweight. I don't know why he agreed to that fight, probably because he needed the money. But yeah, then he's uh, beating up Josecito Lopez, a guy who was moving up two weight classes and was only taking this fight because uh, he had basically screwed the planned fight for Canelo versus Victor Ortiz. And I I think that that fight, uh, Ortiz versus Canelo, I think that was just Oscar's way of, uh, you know, getting Victor out of his life as fast as he could. He's like... You, uh, you ruined the fight with Floyd Mayweather, Victor. I, uh, I was going to give you the blueprint to, uh, beat Floyd, but, uh, you did that headbutt, and, uh, Canelo's my new boy toy. I mean, uh, a, a, a gold, golden goose. 
yeah, that's what happened, okay? And Josecito Lopez ruined that by breaking Ortiz's jaw. So then it's Lopez who unfortunately is fed to the wolves of, of Canelo. And I, I could not believe that Jim Lampley was saying that that, that uh, you know, that, that fight was the same weekend as uh, Sergio Martinez versus uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And afterwards, Lampley was saying, oh, that was the weekend's most dominant performance. Yeah, of course it's going to be dominant. Lopez really had no business in the ring. It's kind of like if I beat up a third grader. It's like, well, what would you expect? Andrew is a bigger guy. He's older. He's more experienced. A third grader had no chance. Plus, it, it was a blind third grader. Come on. Unbelievable. Uh, like, his biggest test, really, was Austin Trout. And that fight happened because Trout ruined the fight with with Miguel Cotto. Everybody was talking about, yay, we're going to get Miguel Cotto versus Canelo Alvarez, the, the Mexican versus Puerto Rican fighter. It's, you know, that, that, that classic rivalry. We'll get to see it again. And then Austin Trout comes in and says, nope, not happening. Uh, I was, I, I thought that Canelo won that fight. Absolutely, but then came the fight with uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., and it showed that uh, just not ready, just was not ready. Uh, Mayweather dominated Canelo more than I expected him to. I, if I recall my original prediction, I said that I would, uh, I was picking Canelo to win at least four rounds. I think I gave him two, one or two, two at most. Okay, and then he beats up. Alfredo Angulo, which, uh, I don't know, aside from Peter Quillen, I mean, it's not that hard to hit Alfredo Angulo, okay? The, the guy is just like, he's a he's a walking punching bag, okay? That, that, that That's what he is. And plus, Angulo was coming off of the uh, loss to Arislandi Lara at that point. So it's kind of like, um, okay... You know, why aren't you fighting Lara? And thanks to my pressure, the pressure that I put on Oscar and, uh, you know, a bunch of other people, that fight did happen. And, well, yeah. I, 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 thought, that, I thought that Canelo lost that fight. But, you know, such is life. You know, sometimes uh, things don't go your way in boxing. But, you know what? I, I'm not going to recap Canelo's whole career, okay? I'm really not. I am going to say this, though. I think that if Kovalev is to win this fight, he has to get a knockout. With the Lara fight and with the two uh, fights with Gennady Golovkin, the first one being a draw, the first one, or the second one being the majority decision victory, I don't think that it's possible for Kovalev to get a fair shake with the judges. I really, really don't. Um, It's a bit uh, too bad, really, because it it shouldn't be that way. I, in total, I gave Canelo Alvarez seven rounds against Gennady Golovkin. Now you're probably thinking, Andrew... You gave him seven rounds against Golovkin. That means he won, right? No. I gave him seven rounds across two fights. First fight, I had him winning, or had him. I had Canelo losing nine rounds to three. The second fight, I had him losing eight rounds to four. But, you know, I, I will give him credit for wanting to step up and uh, face the challenge of 
Kovalev. I am curious, though, if he's going to stay in the light heavyweight division or move back down to the super middleweight or the middleweight division. This is going to be the the very interesting thing. Um, Canelo, right now, he I don't I'm not, I don't know if he still holds the super middleweight title, but he's got the middleweight title because his last fight was the uh, decision against Daniel Jacobs, and apparently Jacobs is going to be moving up to super middleweight because he wants a rematch. Understandable. Because their first their fight was close and competitive, but um, if Canelo wins, he'll hold titles at middleweight, super middleweight, and light heavyweight. Like it or not, that is impressive, and I just hope that this fight can live up to the expectations that I've, uh, I and many others are putting upon it. But. Uh, you know, Canelo, just stay away from any tainted meat, okay, for this fight. You know, last thing we want is, uh, you know, for it to get spoiled again because your two Mexican trainers who are butchers somehow end up feeding you tainted meat that they don't recognize. Again, buy Alberta beef. You can't beat our meat for a special treat. Moving on. Okay, now this is a fight that I think... I think I've said that I've wanted to see for some time, at least when it first, you know, since the last time I saw him fight, and that is, of course, David Benavidez versus Anthony Durrell for the WBC Super Middleweight title. Why? What did you think I was talking about? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get to Porter versus Spence later. Don't, don't you worry. I mean, this is my podcast, you know. But, uh, yeah. Um, I'm very excited about this matchup. Uh... I was very impressed with Benavidez versus Jaylion Love. I I could not believe that Benavidez was only 22 years old. You know, I'm 33, and I'm kind of like, wow, you are, you know, he, he just looked so, so... It's hard to describe, but he looked very controlled against uh, Jaylion Love. There, there, there were certain points where he could have gone a bit crazy with punches, you know, he, he did buzz Love uh, in the first round with a left hook, and he could have, like, really gone for the kill, but he took his time. He knew that this is this was a 10-round fight and that he had plenty of time to get him out of there and plenty of opportunities, and that's why it took him only two rounds to get him out. Uh, I, I was very impressed also with his hand speed. It, 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 it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I was not expecting such a big guy like that to have such fast hands, but they were incredibly fast, and that turned out to be Love's doom. But it's not like Anthony does. Anthony Durrell doesn't have hand speed of his own. Uh, but what he does have, Durrell, is uh, 12 years in age compared to Benavidez. Durrell is 34 years old, and to be honest, I'm surprised he's still fighting, mainly because. Uh, I think it was against Abraham Hahn back in April of 2018, a fight on PBC. I they announced that uh, Durrell was this was that uh, 2018 was going to be Durrell's final year as a pro, and that his goal was to uh, end the year with a world title. I mean, that did not happen. You know, he's a PBC fighter. I mean, if it's April, and you're saying, oh, you know, I hope to get a title shot by the end of the year you might as well just say look i'm fighting next year like it or not that, that that's the reality of it but he did get that title shot uh 
He got it in February of this year against Avni Yedrilum. Hmm. All these foreign boxers. But uh, he won a technical decision and he won the vacant WBC Super Middleweight title. A title that Benavidez used to have, but uh, it was stripped of him uh, just uh, prior to the J. Leon Love fight. The fight before that, he uh, that was his first and only defense of the title. So he, uh, Benavidez is hoping to become a two-time super middleweight champion with a victory over Durrell. This is a real boxer versus puncher uh, matchup. Benavidez is 21-0, 18 wins by way of knockout. Durrell, 33-1, 24 wins by way of knockout. The only loss on his record is to Badu Jack. That was back in... Uh, April of 2015, and that was a majority decision. I mean, oh gosh, like I, I think of all the times that Badu Jack has gotten a draw, and uh, yeah, I thought, oh gosh, you know, what terrible luck would it have been if he got a draw that time? But uh, that was uh, Durrell's first defense of a super middleweight title that he had won against Sakio Bika. The year before in 2014 so now he's got a title again and i think what whatever the outcome will be for Durrell, should it be a win loser draw i would not be surprised if he retired look uh the guy has been uh fighting since 2005 he you know failed to qualify for the olympics he came in third in the olympic trials and he did that with a, a broken hand uh, but yeah, turned pro in 2005. I, I, I was kind of surprised that he really became the uh, star of the family because, as you know, he's the younger brother of Andre Durrell. And after the after Andre Durrell's fight with Arthur Abraham, I thought, okay, Andre's really going to hopefully take his career in the next direction. Uh, even though he did not uh, stay in the Super Six tournament, he withdrew shortly afterwards. I always felt that there was potential there for him, but he never seemed to reach it. And, uh, yeah, I I think he's more or less retired. But um, Anthony has been, uh, you know, he's been doing pretty well for himself. And it is possible he could win this fight, but at the moment, I just find it hard not to go with Benavidez. The guy just looks too big, too strong, too powerful. And plus, there is that hand speed. I think that if he manages to uh, catch Durrell in the corner, then that could be the end of the fight and maybe even Durrell's career. Like I said, he's 34 years old. He's going to be turning 35 next month. So maybe he's just going to say, you know what? I've done what I what I could have done. That's it for me. I'm, I'm done. Fare thee well, boxing. But uh, we'll see. So at the moment, I am picking... Uh, David Benavidez, probably by TKO or KO in the 8th round. But now, let's get to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. You want to know, Andrew, what is your prediction Prediction, hmm, <laughs> for Showtime Sean Porter versus Errol the Truth Spence for the unified WBC IBF welterweight title? Oh, you know, some decent build-up to this fight. They tried to do... You know, we, we don't have HBO boxing anymore. A real pity. Because HBO did stuff so well. And, um... 
what I used to really like, even though sometimes they felt a bit uh, manufactured, was the uh, face-offs with Max Kellerman. Where, you know, they'd get the, 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 the two fighters in the studio, they'd have them sit down and discuss the fight. They did something sort of like that with uh, Spence and Porter. This guy they got in the studio with them, I don't know who he is. He's obviously not as good as Max Kellerman. I think he tries to inject too much of his personality. Max was very... Max was always very quiet. And I remember that there was always a sort of silence or this echoing sound in the background during the face-offs that kind of would highlight the tension. Like that you could just tell that... that Whoever was going to be fighting, that this was going to be an epic matchup. That's why. That's how they marketed it, anyway. I mean, sometimes it was not always like that. I remember they uh, tried that with Bradley and uh, Devin Alexander, and they were both saying, "Oh, this fight is going to be like Hagler Hearns, Hagler Hearns," and it was more like Devin Alexander versus Timothy Bradley. It was not very exciting, unfortunately, but. Um, Anyway, here's the audio from that, and I'm going to be interrupting every now and then with my wise-ass remarks. And the first thought of this fight was thrown around after your victory last year over Danny Garcia. Errol jumped in, he grabbed the microphone, said, we good friends, I love your daddy, <laughs> but let's get it on. Did that guy just quickly attempt a black scent and then just as quickly go back to a standard white guy voice? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm reading too much into this. Now we're here. Tell me if I'm wrong. We still friends or did we sort of shift into a little bit of foes? Um, you know, I wouldn't say I have shifted, but when he said he wanted to fight me, let's go. This is what we do. This is what we what we signed up for. But, you know, like I know, it's time to take your business. This is something that, you know, I've been wanting for a long time to be unified champion to have that WC belt. And, um, you know, I'm more loyal to my dream and to, you know, to my job more than I am a friendship because this how I put food on my family's table. Sean's clearly the better one at public speaking compared to Errol Spence. Errol, Errol just always sounds like he's tired. Like he's been up for 26 hours and he's just like, I'm really tired. I, I, I just, can I, can I get some sleep? And then I'll be ready to... Uh, sorry, that's that's just how I see it. But um, obviously I think that whatever friendship these two have, they're going to put it aside uh, before and after. Or rather, they're, they're going to they're put it aside uh, during the first and final round of this fight. And, you know, I, I've seen that uh, Spence can be pretty friendly with people he's fought. Uh, the, the day after his fight with uh, Keith Thurman, even though a lot of people thought that Thurman should have lost that fight, he won. And uh, Sean was smiling with him the next day, posing for pictures on Twitter and social media, saying, I hope we get to do it again one day. It's all love afterwards. But on the build to September 28th, that got kicked off with that press conference in Las Vegas in July got a little bit spicy. We started off friendly. It ended with Errol saying, Sean, you come out to box me on September 28th, I'll knock your ass out. Yeah, I heard it. I heard you clearly, you know. Um, was there hesitation? Possibly. Um, do you really believe it? I don't know. 
Um, but the fact remains the same. I am who I've always been. You've never seen anybody knock me out. So you can say what you want to say. Doing something is completely different. I don't know why Sean's so surprised that uh, Porter is saying that. Or sorry, I, ugh. I don't know why Sean is upset that Porter. What am I saying anymore? Good lord! I don't know why Porter is so upset that Spence said what you would expect any fighter to say. Okay, you've got to hype this fight. That's what you have to do for any fight. You can't just say it's probably going to be a very technical fight. Um, probably not going to be a lot of action. It's probably going to be probably like a high-speed uh, chess match. I mean, chess is exciting, isn't it? No, you've got to say stuff that is going to get people excited. I mean, I, I don't understand. It's just the nature of the beast, or the nature of the business anyway. But um, while Porter is very adamant that uh, Spence won't be able to knock him out, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, he could hurt him. After all, uh, Porter was in command and ahead on the cards when Adrian Broner knocked him down in the uh, final round of their fight. Now, he, uh, Porter still won the fight, but Broner was able to get that left hook inside and drop him. So, you know, anything is possible. We know that Sean Porter can be knocked down. And my mom would say it's the first time for everything. So, I mean, he never been knocked out before. That's cool. But everybody knows I can knock him out. And that's something that I'm willing to do. That's what we've been training for. And it's something that very likely could happen September 28th. You're coming off arguably the biggest victory of your career, certainly from the standpoint of being on the big platform, a pay-per-view date with Mikey Garcia, then unbeaten, 12-round victory, dominant. But you didn't stop him, and you said just now, I didn't want to. Why? When I heard this in the video, I actually paused the video, and I thought to myself, yeah, you know, Spence could have really stepped on the gas a little bit and stopped Mikey Garcia. In fact, I thought one member of his team did think about stopping the fight after the ninth round, but, you know, they let Mikey continue. But I thought to myself, why didn't Errol stop him? And then it just kind of became clear to me. You know, I, I was thinking back, and he wanted to punish Mikey Garcia. That's what Errol Spence wanted to do. He wanted to say to Garcia, you thought that you could come up to the welterweight division and take on me, kind of the boogeyman of the division, I'm, not, I'm going to show you that that was the biggest mistake of your career. I'm going to dominate you. I'm going to torture you for 12 rounds. Everybody who bet on you, people like Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Tyson, I'm going to make them look like fools. It was a statement. It was a bold statement because I said after the fight, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to get bet against Errol Spence again. But what was Errol Spence's reason for not stopping Mikey Garcia? They, they said if, if it would have been a tactical fight, Mikey Garcia was going to beat me. They said it all throughout the whole press there into the lead up to the fight. And I made sure that I was going to show my skill set and my talent and my abilities, not only physically, but mentally, just going my whole skill set. And I've been said that. And he know I've been said that. What did you learn from his victory over Mikey? You came on my show, Inside PBC Boxing, sat it's next to me. show. And I said... Are you mad? Were you mad that you didn't knock him out? You said, yeah, I was a little mad. I said, oh, oh, I'm surprised. I would have thought the, the opposite. I didn't think you would be mad. 
Now, I don't have the audio from that Inside PBC episode, but at the same time, Porter is insisting that that's what Errol Spence said, and Spence doesn't deny it either. You said, well, yeah, I wanted to knock him out. Now you're saying you didn't even want to hurt the man. So did I say through the whole thing I was going to knock him out? Through the whole lead up to the fight, did I say I was going to knock him out? In the end, though, whether uh, Porter knocked out Garcia or not is irrelevant. He got the victory. He got it in dominating fashion that probably not a lot of people expected, to be honest. I bet on Mikey Garcia. I thought that he was going to win a close, uh, exciting decision. It didn't happen that way. And uh, like I said, I, I told myself that I was never going to bet against Errol Spence again. And at the moment, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to go back on my word. Now... I could keep playing the rest of this audio, but it's not as exciting as it could be. I thought that there was a lot more going on on an episode of Inside the PBC where they've got uh, Keith Thurman on because, you know, sometimes he's a host. They got Sean Porter and, you know, via satellite, they have Errol Spence Jr. So let's listen to that audio and my wise ass remarks as well. Six days now separating Errol Spence Jr. and Sean Porter from the first welterweight unification bout to ever take place in Los Angeles. Before they make history, they join us now with Sean in studio, Errol in Dallas. Good to see you both. Thank you both for taking the time. Appreciate you got it. it. Not a problem. Uh, let's get right to no it. No problem. Both of you have been talking a lot of trash in the build-up to this one, including this week when Sean, you said that Errol has become arrogant. What changes have you seen in Errol? Oh, y'all heard me say that? <laughs> he, I, I honestly, no, I think that Arrow is, is feeling himself, you know, as, you know, when you're dominant, when you are, you know, the guy who's a champion right now, you know, I get how that could happen, but time to calm down, baby. Say what you want about Sean Porter, but the guy is a very good talker, and I don't know if he has done uh, commentary before. I, I've seen him in the uh, Showtime booth. You know, up above, uh, way before a fight starts. You know, talking. I remember. Uh, I, I can't remember what a, what a fight it was, but he was dressed in all green. And I said he looked like the blackest Irishman since Shaquille O'Neal. But um, he he's a very good talker and uh, entertaining to listen to, and he's also a good fighter as well. Anything wrong with feeling yourself, Errol? I'm sorry, but why would he say yes? <laughs> Is this kind of like, uh, did you really expect him to say, you know what, yes, it, it is incredibly wrong of me. I have been uh, making a mockery of the sport with my actions and my confidence, and therefore, I am vacating the IBF welterweight title and awarding it to Sean Porter because he's such a nice guy. Goodbye forever. I mean, what do they, what does she expect him to say, really? Sorry, it's just kind of like, you know, I don't know. I really don't know sometimes. Uh, it has nothing to do with feeling myself. I've been feeling myself. I've been feeling myself since my career started because, you know, I've been saying that, you know, I could beat all the guys, top guys in the division. So, you know, it's not just that I'm arrogant. It's just now, now that they're hearing me because I'm at the top of the mountain. So, you know, all the arrogant stuff that I go out the door. I've been training hard. I'm fully focused and um, I'm ready to fight. So it doesn't matter if you're arrogant or not. As long as you're training hard, as long as you're focused, you listen to your coach. And I'm doing everything possible to, to ensure me a victory. Errol, how you doing? Um, let me ask you this. You, you told Sean to his face that you would knock him out. Now, we know that Sean's never been knocked out. 
Would it be a letdown if it, if it doesn't happen? Now, this question was from Abner Mars, and this is the right question to ask. It doesn't matter about past fights. Like, oh, did you want to knock this guy out? Did you want to knock that guy out? What matters is, what do you want to do to the guy you're going to fight this week? What are your plans? I mean, to hell with, why didn't you knock out this person from 2017? Who cares about that? What cares? What matters is now. And Mars asked the right question. Um, a little bit. It'll be a little bit of a letdown. Um, you know, there's something that I really want. I really want to be the first person to stop Sean Porter. Um, you know, he want to be the first person to stop me too. So, you know, I think it's in the back of both of our minds. I'm not going to go out my way or look sloppy or, you know, try to do something extra just to get the knockout. You know, if it happens, it happens. But, you know, hopefully I get it come Saturday night. The way I see it, Errol Spence is not too concerned if he gets the knockout or not. That's just my opinion. What matters to him is getting the victory. I have a feeling that he believes he's going to be dominant no matter what, and that's what matters, is that he dominates his opponent. But that's not going to be such an easy task against somebody like Sean Porter, to be quite honest with you. I don't think it's going to be very easy. But I think for Porter, or sorry, I think for Spence, um, that... The, the most important thing is getting the victory. And a knockout, well, that would just be an extra cherry on top of the Sunday. Errol, if you didn't knock out Mikey Garcia, what makes you think you can knock out Sean? You know what? It's actually a good question from Kate, but what kind of surprised me was not the answer, but the reaction that uh, Kate got from Keith Thurman and Abner Mars in studio. They were both kind of like, wait, what? You're asking that? And I, I was wondering if one of them was going to give him, or give Kate a little bit of a Peter Pan treatment. Girls talk too much. Kate throwing... Um, no. <laughs> it, that was a jab. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, you know, Mikey's more defensively responsible than uh, than Sean Porter. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, I feel like with Sean's style, it definitely enables me to, you know, catch him coming in and knock him out. But that was good. That was a good question. That was a Thank good. you, Errol. I didn't mean it in any kind of a way. And I, I, I kind of have to agree with Porter. The, the way that Sean Porter fights, he's very swarming. I, I remember after the, uh, the the Keith Thurman fight that I said that Porter's name should not be Showtime Sean Porter. It should be Swarming Sean Porter because he just always seems to be in your face, ready to come at you. But that also, that swarming style that he has, that leads to uh, Errol's... Um, accusations, I don't want to say allegations, but the accusations that uh, Sean Porter is a dirty fighter. And I don't know if I agree 100% with them, but I can certainly understand the claim. So the next question comes from Keith Thurman, who has faced uh, Sean Porter in the past and is coming off his first loss to Manny Pacquiao from just a few weeks ago. I mean, I feel like, you know, I feel like with Sean's style, it definitely enables me to you know, catch him coming in and knock him out. But that was good. That was a good question. That was a Thank you, Errol. I didn't mean it in any kind of a way. <laughs> hey, Sean, right now, man, uh, Errol is still clearly the betting favorite. Are you surprised that you're the underdog going into this fight? And no, how do you feel about it? Not at all. I'm not surprised that I'm the underdog. This is where I come from. Uh, I'm blue-collar, baby. And, and you know exactly what that means. We have to work for everything we get. 
And all the way up until now, I've had to work for everything that I've gotten. So it doesn't surprise me all to be an underdog. You know, again, he's 25 and 0. He's young. He's, you know, everybody looks at him like he, you know, he's being avoided and things like that. So when it comes to this, I think that the the, the betting odds are looking at it statistically more so than what could really happen in the fight. And so, you know, for me, I'm just out there to prove everybody wrong now. I gotta say, I do like Sean's attitude. Uh, he's not taking any major disrespect. He's not saying that you know that. He's not making any stupid claims that you know everybody's over or uh, overlooking him and putting too much onto Errol Spence. I mean, he understands why people would make the bets that they are making. And you know, this podcast could continue for quite a while with me going through every bit of audio that we have, but you know, you've only got so many hours in a day. And who knows, you're probably listening to this on a treadmill and you probably want to stop and go to some free weights. So let's get to the real deal, the prediction, okay? I think that you can kind of guess that I'm leaning towards Errol Spence in this fight. I was very, very, very convinced after his fight against Mikey Garcia that I was a bit silly to have uh, bet against him. I mean, I wasn't betting any money. I just make predictions. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. I mean, it's just the way it is. But the way I see it at this moment, I just don't think that uh, Errol Spence is going to lose. I think that uh, Sean Porter's swarming style might actually work to his advantage. He does have to be careful of headbutts because we have seen that happen with Porter uh, in the past, uh, whether it's intentional or not. I mean, you you don't really know what's happening, but I I hope that there aren't any accidental clash of heads that make this go to the scorecard or have it be scored a uh, a no contest or a technical draw, whatever. I just don't want that to happen. Um, But I I don't see uh, Spence knocking him out, but I do see Errol Spence leaving this fight as the unified IBF and WBC welterweight champion. Now... What happens next? Everybody knows. It's a fight with Pacquiao. Whoever wins this fight, the road is leading to Pacquiao. He's going. Pacquiao's got the WBA title that he won from Keith Thurman. Whoever wins this fight, should it be Errol Spence, Spence will have the IBF and the WBC belt. That's where you make a unified title fight or, yeah, unified title fight to have a undisputed welterweight champion. The only thing about it, though, is that you're going to have an odd man out in Terrence Crawford. I mean, we, we got all these exciting fights going on in the division, and Crawford's, I don't know, I, I feel like sometimes he's just kind of waving his WBO belt saying, hey, remember me? I mean, even PBC does not mention Terrence Crawford. They, you know, whenever they bring up welterweight champions, it's, they, they, they'll show, oh, uh, we've got uh, Sean Porter, Errol Spence, and Manny Pacquiao. Yep, no other welterweight champions out there. None that are signed to Bob Arum and under a contract with ESPN. Definitely not. All the welterweight champions are on PBC. Yeah. But uh, regardless, I, I don't be too surprised if you see Manny Pacquiao at the fight and if you see him in the ring with the winner, whoever that should be. But at the moment, my prediction is Sean Porter 
becoming the WBC IBF Unified Welterweight Champion. We'll be back in a few weeks to see if I'm right or not. I will be live tweeting throughout the fight, so go to twitter.com slash boxing for free and check out all my glorious commentary. See if my predictions for Benavidez versus Durell are correct. And also, be sure to stick around for the main event, Spence versus Porter. I really hope this turns out to be a classic welterweight showdown. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxingforfree. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxingforfree and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Boxing for Free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Girls talk too much. Yes, girls talk too much. Uh-huh.